Today's scripture is uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. Thanks for uh, uh, being here this morning. I think you guys heard I was going to come because most of you guys are way back there. Uh, <laughs> I promise there's plenty of seats up front. Um, again, my name is Pastor Chris. Thanks for having me here. It's been about a year since um, I've been here. And on uh, behalf of my wife and my community and our church, I just want to thank you all for your faithful prayers, especially the missions team, and for your ongoing support uh, for our ministry. Since 2016, Servant Church that's our church, has been a mission work that's been uh, specifically focused on San Diego's inner city community of Logan Heights. We are a community church, or what's sometimes called a parish church, that's exclusively and laser-focused on our uh, community. Um, uh, we, we do everything in a very specifically defined boundaries. Uh, uh, ministries like ours don't um, are not that common anymore. We live in a very modern, uh, suburban commuter world, um, but our commute our community is is very what some people call pedestrian. We can do a lot of things um, by foot. Most of our neighbors walk within or do their lives within a five or six block radius, and so our community really lends itself to a community church. And the last two years have been challenging for. Uh, all churches everywhere, but especially for ministries like ours, it's been uh, super difficult. Um, so much of what we do, what we do as a church, um, and through our uh, youth outreach and through our nonprofit, so much of what we do is in person, in groups, and in rented public spaces. We're a young church, so we don't own our own building. It's going to be a while before we do. Um, and when most of that was taken away from us, it did feel like we were starting everything from scratch. Uh, I'm sure you guys felt that with most of your ministries, but for us, uh, we were not even four years old, and it just felt like everything had to be put on pause. Uh, a lot of the things we were doing uh, may not be coming back um, or will take a while to come back, but uh, through it all, uh, two things kept us going apart from God's awesome and amazing grace. Two things. It was our relationships with our neighbors, and it was our relationship with churches, our partner churches like you guys. 
Um, despite everything that's happened the last two years, our neighbors uh, are still showing and telling us how much they appreciate us. And they're still super excited and thankful that we are still in the community. Uh, so many times I've run into neighbors and they said, oh, we're glad you're still here. Um, just as a side note, that, that's not uncommon in our community for ministries and nonprofits to kind of come in. And then they li leave pretty quickly afterwards when they don't see kind of explosive growth or, you know, big numbers. So our neighbors um, and our relationships with them kind of kept us going and it still keeps us going. And also, despite everything that's happened in the last two years, it's been our relationship to partner churches like Trinity that has made it possible for us to still be in our community. So again, on behalf of our church, on behalf of our community, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Um, one of the things that I do, and I started this during the pandemic, one of the things that I do to stay connected to our community and to our neighbors is to take my dog on a walk. So take my dog on a walk. Every weekday, about 30 minutes before all the schools in our community start, we have something like 13 different school campuses in our small little corner of San Diego. So uh, every weekday, about 30 minutes before school starts, I take my dog, whose name is Paco, uh, named after my uh, grandfather. I take Pike Paco out um, and I, I take him around our community's newest and biggest school. And uh, in our community, most of our kids walk to school. And most of them, if they don't walk by themselves, they, their parents walk them to school. So it turns out to be an awesome way uh, to, to see and to reconnect with uh, the people that we serve. And, and it's, it's really great. Within 30 minutes... I get to say hi, I get to check in, and sometimes I even get to pray with 10 to 15 neighbors as I'm walking my dog. If, if that's something you're interested in, a dog ministry, uh, it's great. It really works. Um, I've heard about this for years, and I never did that, but we were one of those families that adopted a dog during the pandemic, and he's not going back, I, I promise. We're going to keep him. Um, and... Um, I should say it also helps that Paco is a big, black, 75-pound, super cute, giant schnauzer. So everyone wants to say hi to Paco. And he is great with kids. He is super great with kids. Not so great with some adults that kind of go straight for his head. But he's, he's fantastic. Um, so this past Monday, I was walking Paco around the school because it was the first day of school. And I run into a teenage boy named Angel. That's, that's not his first name, but we'll call him Angel for now. I run into Angel, and he's part of our church's youth outreach. We, we don't call it a church youth group on purpose because it's, it's for the kids of our community. Most of them don't go to church. Um, so I run into Angel. I say hi to him. I give him a fist bump. And I say, hey, man, we missed you at church yesterday. Uh, it's a quick check-in. Uh, Angel is barely awake, and he, he walks or kind of crawls through the, the, the school gates on his way to, 
the class. And about that time, one of the school counselors uh, who knows me and she absolutely loves everything that we do in the community. She's been a, a fantastic ally in the community. She comes up to me. She's super excited. She says hi. And she asks me if Angel is part of our youth outreach. And I say, absolutely, yeah. Um, she says, thank you so much for loving and watching out for Angel. And uh, then she asked me, do you know his story? Has Angel shared his story with you? And I said, no, he hasn't. Why? And she says, well, I can't give you specifics. I, I can't give you details, but his story's pretty bad. And then she used a word that I had never heard associated with someone's story. She says, his story is savage. I've never heard that, even in our context, inner city. She says, it's, it's savage. So thank you again for what you do for Angel. Today's passage from 2 Corinthians is um, about stories, personal stories. It's a story of Jesus and what he's done for us. In a broader context, it's also the story about Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, and it's about our story, too. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Jesus' story. We're going to look at Paul's story. We're going to look at our story. And we will circle back to Angel's story as well. So let's go ahead and pray and ask God to be with us, especially this morning. Father, we thank you that you are already here. That Father, uh, you um, have promised to be here with us. And you are. And Father, this morning, right now, we pray that uh, you would open up our, our ears and that you would open up our minds. And especially, Father, that you would open up our hearts. That we would receive what we need the most. That we would receive your grace. And Father, we ask that we would not leave this place the same way that we came in. But Father, that your Holy Spirit would do a work in our lives, would continue to do a work in our lives. Father, thank you for being a God that speaks to us through your word. Thank you for not being silent or negligent. Thank you for being a father that speaks and cares about us. Father, we ask these things and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. At Servant Church, uh, we love to use the Jesus Storybook Bible. Do you guys use that here? It's, it's my favorite. As a side note, you should know that they also have a version of the Jesus Storybook Bible without uh, the drawings, the kid cartoons. It's just the words because it's meant to be for adults. And um, it's just as good, obviously. Um, but we love using the Jesus Storybook Bible for kids' Sunday school. And especially because it does such a good job, such an amazing job of always pointing kids to Jesus, no matter what story in the Bible it's going through. And in the book's introduction, it says this, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. And the best thing about this story is it's true. 
There are a lot of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. The introduction then goes on to say um, that at the center of this big story is Jesus. And that, quote, every story in the Bible whispers his name. And it's true, despite being a big book, despite being a collection of 66 smaller books and hundreds of true and personal stories, the Bible is one big story of how God, through Jesus, saves the people he loves. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the passage that we read, verses 14 through 21, summarizes that story, Jesus' story, for us. These verses tell us, that in order for God to rescue us from our sin or trespasses, and when the Bible uses those words, it's talking about our selfishness and our hate that not only break God's rules, but also break our relationship to God and to others. And that in order for God to reconcile us, that is to reconnect us and to reunite us to himself, God had to do a swap. He had to do a trade, all right? Um, some, of, some of the kids maybe, uh, are the kids back in school in Orange County? Okay, so maybe some of you guys at lunchtime have already started swapping lunch items. You guys do that? Anyone? Does anyone do that as, a, as an adult? Maybe at, at work? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe you do it by accident. I don't know. But God had to do a swap, right? Uh, God had to do a, a swap. He had to trade something for us because in order for God to be fair and forgiving he had to do something with our sin all right Um, some people call this the great exchange and the reason God has to do this exchange is because he has to be fair as he is also forgiving he couldn't just wink and pretend like nothing had ever happened that wouldn't be fair to anyone, to God or to us and to anyone that we've hurt, and it wouldn't make up at all for all the rules and the relationships that we break and the rules and relationships that we've broken. So again, in order for God to be fair and forgiving, God gave our wrongness and our punishment to Jesus, and then he gave Jesus' rightness and his reward to us. Verse 21 says it like this at the very end. For our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, for God to rescue and reconcile us to himself, God had to give up Jesus to get us. That's the story of Jesus. Very quickly, very briefly, that's the story of Jesus, what's called the gospel in the Bible, what's called sometimes the good news, the story of how God's love crashed into our world and interrupted the broken and the painful story of the entire world and then changed it forever. It's the best story ever. And as the Jesus Storybook Bible says, it's true. It's a fairy tale that's, that's become true. This morning before 
we go on, I want to ask you simply, do you believe the story? This morning, whatever's going on, whatever's going on in your life and in the world, and there's a lot going on, do you believe that God through Jesus can rescue you, can reconcile you and make you right to him? The other question I want to ask you is that if today you do believe that story, you do believe that God has rescued you and made you right with him, I want to ask you, how does that story change the way you treat others? Verse 16 says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. In other words, if and because we believe Jesus' story, we don't and we shouldn't judge or treat others by the way they look, by the way they talk, by the way they live, or by what other people think of them. So this morning, if you believe Jesus' story, do you treat others the way God treats you, the way God has treated you as someone that can be rescued, someone that can be made right despite your brokenness, despite their brokenness and wrongness? See, the, the story of Jesus has to make a difference in our lives when we believe it. It's almost like it's, we, it's almost not true in our lives unless we do something with it. It has to make a difference in our everyday lives, right? Let's move on. Let's move on to Paul's story. Whenever we read the Bible, whenever we read the, the, a book or a story in the Bible, it's always good to, to keep in mind who wrote the book, to think about and to find out who's telling the story. And knowing and remembering who wrote the book or the letter and who's telling the story really makes the, the story come to life, right? It makes it personal. It adds color and it adds depth to what can literally be a black and white two-dimensional story on, on a page, right? In this case... 2 Corinthians, the writer of the book, uh, it's actually a letter, is, is Paul. And Paul's story is perhaps one of the best examples of how God can rescue and God can make anyone right with him. But you should know that it's not like Paul was some kind of big-time criminal or some menace to society before God saved him, at least not in the eyes of other people. In fact, Paul was the exact opposite. Instead of being, um, uh, you know, a, a rule breaker, Paul was a rule keeper. And he was super eager to punish anyone who didn't keep the rules, especially Christians. Socially and religiously, he was a well-groomed, smart, successful, rising star in the Jewish world. But to Paul, Christians were the worst. They were the worst. Christians were the worst because precisely they went around telling the story of Jesus. That Jesus is God and that he can save us. 
And Paul just didn't believe that story. He didn't buy it at all. And he was going to do everything in his power to make sure and to stop Christians from telling that story. Even hunt them down and kill them if he had to. But then a funny thing happened on the road to Damascus. The resurrected and ascended Jesus literally crashed into Paul's life and changed the story forever. On that road, confronted by a Jesus who was very much alive and well after being executed on the cross, Paul fell down uh, and called Jesus Lord. He called Jesus God and Master. And from then on, instead of hunting and killing Christians, Paul became a Christian himself who was hunted himself and who eventually was killed himself for being a Christian. And instead of stopping others from telling Jesus' story, Paul became one of the best storytellers of Jesus' story. In verses 18 through 20, Paul goes on to say, that God not only rescued and reconciled him through Jesus, but that Paul also called and made Paul an ambassador, a representative of Jesus. And it was his job from that point on to tell others Jesus' story. That's how God changed Paul's life. But again, why does this matter? To these verses? Why does, should it matter to us? I think it matters because Paul's story reminds us that everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus, rule breakers and rule keepers alike. Every one of us, no matter what other people think or say about us, every one of us needs Jesus to trade places with us. Every one of us needs Jesus to give us his rightness and his reward and then take away from us our wrongness and our punishment. Every single one of us needs Jesus to rescue and reconcile us to him. No exceptions. No exceptions. Again, this morning, I want to ask you, do you believe that Jesus' story is for you? Is Jesus' story specifically for you and not just for everyone else, not just for those bad people? No matter how good or smart or successful you are at being a rule keeper, either society's rules or the Bible's rules, no matter how good, smart, or successful you are, do you believe that you need Jesus as much as everyone else does? Not more, not less than others, but just as much as everyone else. I have to say, it's a weird thing for some of us who maybe grew up in the church and some of us who, who've always heard the story of Jesus and at least on the outside, we seem to be pretty good rule keepers. It's this weird thing that without even realizing it, we, we, we say and we believe that, that Jesus died for us, but sometimes the way we live 
kind of shows that we think that maybe Jesus didn't have to die as much for us. That maybe Jesus died this much for us, but he had to die this much for everyone else. Now, that doesn't make sense, right? You just die once. There's only one way to die, right? You don't die a little bit or a lot. But that's how we live, right? Again, Paul's story reminds us that if you are a rule breaker, if you are a rule keeper, you need Jesus. And again, do you believe that to be true? Let's get to our, our last point, our final point, which is our story. Second Corinthians 5, again, isn't just about Jesus' story, and it's not just about Paul's story, but it's our story too. Before Jesus crashes into our story and into our lives, not only do we judge and treat and define others by the way they look, by the way they talk, and the way they live, and even by what other people think and say of them, it turns out we also judge and define ourselves by the way that we look and talk and live, by where we're from, what family we were born into, what we've done or haven't done, etc. Again, verse 16 says, from, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Before Jesus and without Jesus, our story was what others thought of us and what we think of ourselves. But then Jesus crashes into our story. And Jesus interrupts our broken and painful stories and lives, and he changes it forever. And he gives us a new story, and somehow we become new. Verse 17, right here in the middle of this passage, says it like this. Therefore, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, if you have believed Jesus' story, if you believe that you need and you have been rescued and made right with God through Jesus, Paul says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When Jesus rescues and reconciles you and me to God, we are not and we don't have to be the same. We get a new start because God has made us new creations. Our story isn't and it doesn't have to be the same. We get a new story because we have a new beginning. I was, um, a few weeks ago, one of our sister churches in San Diego uh, invited our youth outreach to a movie night. And um, most of our, most of our uh, youth are, are teenagers. We, the youth outreach is for 6th through 12th graders. And... Um, the youth director for our, our sister church's uh, youth ministry said, hey, we're going we're gonna to show the movie called The Bad Guys. Uh, how many here have seen that? It came out just a few months ago. No one? Oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, you really should see it. It's a great movie. Um, 
said uh, it's it's called the bad guys and so it's an animated movie and i love animated movies but i also know teenagers and i'm like i don't know if they're going to fall for this or whatever it turns out it was great they loved it but in that movie it's a story about five bad guys it's uh, a wolf uh, let me see if i can get this right a wolf a snake a shark a tarantula and a piranha and they are lifetime criminals and right from the beginning, they're like, hey, this is who we are. This is who the world defines us. No one thinks that we could ever be good. So we're just going to be bad guys, and we're going to be the best bad guys ever. So it's kind of like an Ocean's Eleven for kids. It's, it's actually based on a series of books, um, I found out later. But the story is, is great because as the story progresses, something changes in them. And for the leader of this group of bad guys, he's the wolf, um, he does something good unexpectedly, and he gets a tingle, and his, his tail starts to wag. And he's never had that sensation before, right? So he's like, what is this? And so the rest of the movie is, is him basically coming to grips with what it would mean if he had a new story. What would it be like if he wasn't the bad guy? If, if maybe someone actually gave him a second chance and maybe thought he didn't have to be the bad guy. And his bad guy friends resist it, and I won't give away the ending because it's, it's great. So, again, it's like Ocean's Eleven's for kids. But the story or the point is that even in this movie, The Bad Guys, and in our lives, we don't have to continue to be the bad guys. Even if that's what the world says about us, even if that's what we think about ourselves. Paul says we are a new creation. We're brand new. We don't have to be what we were. We don't have to be what the world defines us to be. Earlier I, I mentioned uh, the teenage boy Angel, whose story the school counselor described as savage. I still don't know Angel's story, and, and honestly, it, it may be a while before he shares it with me or any of the coaches in our youth ministry. But I, I do know this. I know that Jesus is crashing into his story right now. That through Servant Church and, and through your partnership, Angel is hearing and he is experiencing the story of Jesus in his story. My hope and prayer is that Jesus will make Angel new and give him a new story, no matter what's happened to him or, or what he's done. And this morning, my hope and prayer is that, that Jesus would crash into your story too, that Jesus would make you new, give you a new story. Paraphrasing John chapter 1, 12 through 13, um, this is how the Jesus Storybook Bible ends. And I don't think I'm spoiling it for anyone. Um, again, paraphrasing John 1, 12 through 13, it says, For anyone who says yes to Jesus, for anyone who believes what Jesus said, for anyone who will just reach out and take it, then God will give him 
this wonderful gift to be born into a new life, to be who they really are, who God always made them to be, their own true selves, God's dear child. Because, you see, the most wonderful thing about Jesus' story is that it's your story too. This morning, my hope and prayer for you and for our community and for everyone who is in our lives that we try to share Jesus' story, my hope and prayer is that God would bring us into Jesus' story and that we would all be new and we would all have a new story. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that when the world and our lives were very much going to hell, quickly, fast, and furiously, Father, we thank you that you and Jesus crashed into the story of this world and into our story. Father God, we thank you that Jesus was willing to swap and trade places with us. Father, that does not make sense to us. And it's pretty obvious that Jesus got the short end of the stick in that trade. But Father, we thank you that it's true. We thank you that there is no greater story, no better fairy tale that is true. Father, thank you for working your magic in our lives, for making us new creations, for making us new. Thank you that we don't have to be what we were or what the world says we should be. Father, this morning, we pray that you would forgive us for not believing that story. And we pray that you would forgive us for not believing that story enough to make a real difference in our lives and in our relationships with others. Father, we come to you for forgiveness. Father, because you've already done that, you've already reunited us to you, you've already reconnected us to you, you've already reconciled us to you. So Father, we know that even when we stray from the new story that you've given to us, even when we don't really always believe Jesus' story, we know that you can bring us back to you again. Thank you, Father God, for Jesus. Thank you that our new story means that we can keep coming back to you to be reminded of Jesus' story and to be reminded that we have a new story in him. Father God, may that make a difference in our lives, in our churches, in our ministries, in our relationships, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in um, our jobs. Father, may the world around us hear and see Jesus' story in and through us. Father, thank you. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you, Father, for rescuing us 
and making us right with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.